Welcome to the Humanizing Work Show podcast, where we dig into topics large and small related to our mission, which is to help make work more fit for humans and all of us humans more capable of doing great work. You can learn more about humanizing work at humanizingwork.com. Welcome back to the Humanizing Work Mailbag, where we answer questions from the Humanizing Work community. If you've got a question you've been pondering, email us at mailbag at humanizingwork.com and we'll do our best to give you a good answer. Today's question came from someone working in an organization with lots of small teams, two or three people, and sometimes even individuals that they referred to as teams of one. And they asked if Scrum would still work at that small of a scale. You know what? Instead of just answering that question, which I think is important, let's use that question to talk about team size in general and also answer the question, or at least how we think about the question, what's the best size for an Agile team? Okay, well, let me start with where that question came from in the context of this client. Great. We had been talking about how Scrum works, and we talked about ideas like trying to get all the complexity within team boundaries. And one of them mentioned that they had seen this recommendation that a Scrum team should be seven plus or minus two people, uh, which is a recommendation that I probably at some point in my career had on a slide that I shared, right? Because that was kind of the standard lore in the Scrum world. Mm -hmm. And that was based on research on team size. That was real research, although from a completely different context. There's other research that shows about five people, about six people, and all that research is done in the context of those teams. And so this was the genesis of that question. It's like, well, we don't have, they did the math, five on a team. We have two and sometimes three people on a team. Will Scrum still work for us? The way that I responded is that the goal is to locate all of the complexity that a team is facing within the boundary of the team. And if those, say, three people could deal with the business complexity, the technical complexity involved in delivering on whatever they're delivering, then there's no reason that you need to have a larger team. You might be able to get some benefits of going a little faster because there is some data that shows that more perspectives help you create better solutions faster, gives you more overlap in times and skills and thought. But there's no reason that three is right out, as I would say, uh, <laughs> in, in the literature there. <laughs> I think it also changes how you think about the scrum roles though, right? Yeah, this is a good point. You need to hold it a little more loosely, I think, and think of the, the roles as three types of responsibility that team members need to have in some way. But with three people, it's unlikely you need a full-time scrum master. They would likely be just looking for something to do to stay busy in that scenario. And so that would be a case, in fact, one of the few cases where I'd actually recommend or advocate that you might want to look at an overlapping role either within that team or a scrum master maybe from outside the team that helps facilitate some things. But just fewer people need less facilitation than more people in general. Yeah. Then it's tricky because the demands of the scrum master role are pretty responsive. Mm -hmm. And the demands on the developer role in Scrum are about focus. And similarly, the demands on the product owner role are look across all these different time horizons and developers mostly look short term. And so even if it's not a full-time job, you still have that tension in the shape of the work. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some unique struggles that small teams have in doing those roles well. And that might nudge them up to a larger team. But I've seen good examples of people doing something that's not exactly scrum as defined in the scrum guide but clearly inspired by it and trying to accomplish all the the jobs that scrum does mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so that's the bottom end mm -hmm. um, 
The top end was the one I actually used to be more dogmatic about, the nine people. And I've drawn, and I'm sure many people have seen these, the connection networks between all the people, and look how that goes up exponentially as you get a bigger and bigger team. So you really should not have big teams, and 10 is considered big in the Scrum world. And then once I started becoming aware of complexity and the value of having complexity located inside a team, when I'd bump into a team that had 12 people and was obviously too big, but the complexity really spanned the specialties of those 12 people, splitting them into two teams that now had to collaborate pretty highly across two teams didn't actually feel like an improvement. Mm -hmm. Now it's like you still have the network of communication between 12 people and some barriers between them because you have two teams. And so I've gotten to a place now where I would say, let your team get a bit larger if that's what's required to actually do meaningful increments of value and keep the complexity located within the team. And also think about long-term, maybe there's some cross-training and things. People can become more T-shaped and you could split that team down the road, but don't split it just because seven plus two is as large as you should ever go. What do you think about that, Peter? Yeah, I think that there are some kind of rules of human collaboration and how we facilitate. I think if you were to go into that experiment saying, you know, we're used to facilitating a team of about seven or eight people because that seems to be a sweet spot and beyond that gets more difficult to facilitate. And if you use the same techniques to facilitate, say, a sprint planning or a retrospective beyond seven or eight people, you're going to not do well. You're going to need to change your facilitation structures because there is a natural subgrouping that happens when a team gets that large. Like this is one of the psychological aspects of teams is that when you have that large of a team, because of those network communication impacts that you were talking about, people will just naturally identify as a subgroup within the team. And so you need to be aware of those things and talk about you know, how they're showing up in our work and then facilitate discussions, meetings, whatever you need to facilitate in a slightly different way, when we facilitate a 50-person class, the structure looks a lot different than if we're facilitating, say, a 16-person class, for example. So you just need to build that into your plan for how to facilitate and how to get work done. So I think where we're landing is the right size of a team is enough people to handle the size of problem you're taking on and where the complexity sits. And if you're outside that five to nine range, things probably have to change in Scrum one way or another to continue to have everything work with a team of that size. If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcasting platform. We'd love it if you shared the podcast with friends, family, and coworkers that you think might benefit from learning more about how to make work more fit for humans and humans more capable of doing great work. If you want help humanizing your work, you can find out about our products and services at humanizingwork.com. We spend much of our lives working, so let's make that investment meaningful for us and all of the people connected to it.